I have learned that I am weak. I have been jealous. I have been wrathful. I have been lazy. All the things the seven sins stand for, and I have paid dearly for it. And I remain stranded on Earth. So when you speak of hope, all hope is lost. Should I say BAFTA winner, or is that does that st- still sound weird to you when people introduce you as BAFTA winner? It does still sound pretty strange. <laughs> CC Jones, everybody, how are you? Hello, I'm good. How are you? Uh, it's been crazy. <laughs> it's been uh, yeah. crazy. We've been um, we've been trying to get this together for a while now. I think uh, last time we contact I contacted you. I think God, when was it? Late December. <laughs> Of last yeah. year, I would remember. I know it was bananas. It's it's been a bonkers couple of months. <laughs> yeah, but like, cause you were announced as Fury, I remember at that time. And when when I like saw the the cast list, I I was kind of shocked because I'm like, Cece Jones, the indie darling, <laughs> she's doing an action game. <laughs> yeah, we can uh, we can do different genres. Interestingly enough. <laughs> Because cause when I um because when they released the trailer the teaser trailer for that I remember like back in 2017 I think it was like it only had like two lines and I swear yes. and I swear to God I thought that you were just like filling in for Vanessa Marshall because it sounded <laughs> so similar to Vanessa I'm like oh they're obviously like putting in someone else to do the the trailer stuff and and Vanessa's gonna get the role and then when the game came out I'm like well I was wrong. <laughs> Hilarious. Well, that's a hell of a compliment. She is amazing. Because it sounded like very similar to her. Like she has, she plays a lot of badass ladies, and I thought, though, that you know, that's Vanessa. Nope. <laughs> but I'll take it as a compliment. So my first question is, how was it transitioning from indie darling to action heroine? Uh, it was awesome. I mean, I've uh, it's my first action lead, but I have done a lot of other action games. Um, you know, I'm in Destiny and and. Um, Call of Duty and stuff like that. So, uh, so it wasn't completely out of the blue, but it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, that trailer, uh, I booked obviously before the game recorded and it was four words and my audition was four words. And, um, 
So, you know, I booked the trailer through my manager and then started to learn about the game actually getting made. So I had some friends reach out to Gunfire Games and pitch me to be like, hey, you've already got her in the trailer. Why don't you have her be the actual character in the game? And so uh, it was kind of a roundabout way of getting the getting the role, but I fought for it. <laughs> Which is kind of weird because you don't really see a lot of voice actors do that, especially, you know, considering a lot of them, a lot of them I've talked to are like, yeah, you know, we didn't get the role, but it's okay. But no, you fought yeah. for it. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of like, you know, throwing spaghetti against the wall to see what sticks. But um, no, I really, I really, I really went after that one. And I'm glad I did. It was so much fun. It's an incredible team. It's an incredible cast. Um, it was a really, really fun project to work on. And how was the British accent uh, thing going for you? Like, how was that um, experience for you? Like having to talk in a British accent for uh, 13 hours or so? Uh, you know, I mean, I did Belgian for The Walking Dead and, and Southern. And, you know, that's kind of part of the job is learning accents and slipping into them and slipping out of them. Um, I love it. It's 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 research for me. <laughs> and what did you, so now I get to what, what did you... to England. What did you listen to to get to that tone? Because she has a very regal tone, like very. Yeah, I I listened to a lot of like um, kind of snooty, uppity type sounding British folk, you know, who uh, who very much look down on on, <laughs> on other classes of people, and you know, because that's where Fury lives. She doesn't she doesn't think anyone is her equal. She is above everybody else. So it's it's finding that place of sitting up on high and uh, judging everybody that walks past you, right? So it's a little down to Nabby, and it's a little, um, gosh, you know, just all over. I, I actually went to London um, before we started recording, and I just kind of sat and watched and listened and observed and studied and wrote that trip off like you wouldn't believe. But <laughs> um but it's just it's just such a great opportunity to study. Because it's kind of weird listening to that and having to remind myself, oh yeah, she was Delilah and Firewatch. <laughs> I get that a lot. <laughs> but that's the thing I love about voiceover, right? Is it's like I can be these two diametrically opposed characters, and it's great. It's so much fun. You know, you're not pulled out of the moment, hopefully, by going, oh, yeah, I saw that actress in, you know, Pulp Fiction, and now here she is in Kill Bill. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, that's kind of the point of voiceover is to be able to um, go undetected. And speaking of, then let's just segue into that. How did you get into voiceover? Well, um, I started as a work in stiff. I, um, I actually have a business degree and a Spanish degree from college and uh, went, moved to the Silicon Valley and worked in startups for about 10 years and um, hated my life. And uh, I really was looking for something different. And my now husband and I were out on a trip and we were talking about dream jobs. And I was like, ah, I've always wanted to be a voice on The Simpsons, but you know, you're probably just going to live in Hollywood. Um, you know, I didn't even know it was called voiceover. And then uh, a couple weeks after that trip, I heard Nancy Cartwright, who's Bart Simpson, on the radio promoting the Simpsons movie. And she was talking about a local school for voiceover and how great voiceover is. And it's the best job in the world. And I called that day. I started taking classes that week. And two years later, I had an agent and I quit my corporate job. And that was it. And uh, from from what the I did my research and the first role you booked was Katya on Walking Dead. First role I booked. The first thing I ever booked was Katya and the Walking Dead. Oh, first thing. That's that's incredible. Yeah, yeah it was uh, it was pretty awesome. And how was that experience for you, like transitioning from working stiff to full on 
you know, going into that booth for the first time and recording all your lines? Uh, it was really scary. You know, I had a massive imposter syndrome and, um, you, you know, I, I knew that that game was going to be special, but because it was my first job, I didn't understand how special. I just thought everything was like that. And, um, looking back on it now, I mean, that was just such a trial by fire, you know, just informative experience, a transformative experience of, of, you know, going from nine to five and, um, you know, shackled to a desk to, um, going in and, and really putting all of your faith in the directors and the other actors and the writers and the creators and, and just hoping that you can pull it off. <laughs> Especially with video games. Cause you're not really working with anybody with other actors. You're just like, all you have is like a script and your imagination and the direction you're given. Yeah. You know, it's funny because with a lot of, with most video games, like you said, you know, you're not working with other actors in the booth and, you know, I could share 50 titles with somebody and meet them in person and be like, Oh yeah, we share a lot of the same credits together. Oh, okay. All right, cool. But with the walking dead, um, I was invited to a, like a happy hour where Melissa Hutchison and Owen Thomas and Gavin Hammond and, Nikki Rapp and, um, you know, a lot of those people were there. And, uh, the second I walked in, it was just like instant family because it was such an intense experience and the things that they put our characters through in the booth. And then actually getting to meet the people that we had, you know, heard their voices in our heads. And then, um, and they're still some of my closest friends to this day. Yeah. Because we had, uh, Dave Fennoy on the show way back in 2013, back when, Oh yeah. The first, the first, uh, the first, uh, season wrapped up and he admitted he cried when, you know, the final episode came, came out when he recorded his lines. Didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's kinda, it's kinda interesting and, and to this day I'm upset he didn't win the BAF, the BAFTA for his role in that. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I'm sad that Melly Hutch hasn't won one either. Oh, and, uh, uh, uh Millie has, uh, really gone, uh, you know, mainstream with that role now that she's done, she's done, God, how, how many, how many, uh, Walking Dead seasons were there? Four? Like, and she's been in yeah, all of them? Yeah, just wrapped four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she, she took Clementine from a six-year-old up to like 17, I think. And it's flawless. She's just flawless. And it's kind of amazing because she was a complete unknown at the time. Cause it's like, when you, when you go into these games, it's usually they get like the similar people over and over again. It's like Troy Baker, uh, Nolan North, uh, or whoever, but it was like, Outside of Dave Fennoy, I think he was the only one I was I was familiar with in, in Walking Dead. Everyone else was like a, a new person. Well, they were people that, who had been working in the Bay Area for years and years, and they'd done a lot of um, smaller titles, but that really pushed them into um, more mainstream recognition. You know, Gavin and Melissa and Owen, honestly, are three of the busiest actors I know, and they work on all the things. I mean, Melissa and Gavin are the voice of Furby. <laughs> That's still a thing. Right. Yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, they they had been supporting themselves as actors in San Francisco, which is not that easy to do for like 10, 12 years before The Walking Dead came along. And move, so. and then, you know, after that, you did Firewatch. How, how was that experience for you? Like going from from I mean, from supporting character to leading character? It was awesome and exciting and exhilarating and terrifying and <laughs> um you know because I'd never been a lead I felt a lot of pressure but I knew I was in really good hands I knew working with Sean Vanneman and Jake and Ollie and Jane and Chris and Rich Summer I knew I knew that the thing was going to be beautiful 
um, I didn't know how well it was going to be received. And that was um, just icing on a beautiful cake. Because it, it, it kind of came out of nowhere. It was like this game that, that came out of nowhere, and it's like, okay, what is this? And you play it, and then it's like, huh, interesting. You know? Yeah, it was um, – I just remember, you know, Rich and I would uh, – Sean had us record together. Like I would be in my home studio, and Rich was in his home studio, and, and we got to actually have the conversations um, live, which was great. But I just remember it feeling so effortless. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't really forcing anything on this and I wasn't, um, I don't know. It just felt like slipping into a, an old pair of shoes. It was just super comfortable and, and easy. And, um, you know, Rich was amazing to work with and Sean was, you know, just, he's such a complete writer. And I, I feel like, you know, the characters that he creates are, are three dimensional and not these flat, boring tropes that are used over and over again, especially as a woman in games, you know, there's, there's only so many, uh, you know, things that we get to do and to have this enigmatic, um, woman, uh, and, and the guy that's not, that's not the typical hero, you know, it was just, it was really fun. It was really incredible. And what was it like winning the BAFTA for that? Oh my God. Uh, can I swear on your show? <laughs> oh, please. Cause in the last couple episodes, they haven't sworn and it's kind of been building up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so if you watch the playback, they don't show my reaction when they called my name because I, I have been now told that I screamed holy shit at the top of my lungs. Um, cause I didn't expect to, I mean, Nolan North for God's sake, right? I, Uncharted 4, I just, he'd been winning all the things and I assumed he would, he would win that. And I was not expecting them to call my name and, uh, it was amazing. And BAFTA as an organization is so incredible and so, so deeply entrenched in the games industry and trying to shine a big, brilliant light on everything that happens in games that, that so often goes unnoticed. I mean, my own union, SAG-AFTRA does not have anything like that for video games or voiceover or animation you know what I mean so to have that to have that community I just I'm still <laughs> it's still crazy yeah especially when it comes to most uh, game awards I mean because most game award shows are a total joke where they're like oh best action game call of duty or whatever and and the game awards brought to you by uncharted 4 <laughs> yeah yeah uh, I mean, not not to not to diss anybody that works on those things. No. I mean, they're they're you know they're doing their job, and I'm not trying to put anyone down. But I mean, looking at at that compared to the BAFTAs, and the BAFTAs like are the last award show I think that takes themselves like an actual award show. Like they're celebrating everything from every every part of media, not just movies and television. Yeah, yeah, it's really special, and and they they really go above and beyond to make their members feel special. You know, um, I've been to other award shows where they just get whatever celebrity they can to get up and, and present a thing and like, okay, but, but why, you know, whereas BAFTAs is like, let's, let's involve the people in this industry. Let's get them in here to present awards. Let's do interviews with them. You know, I went to, to London last June and, and they were like, come in, let's do a big thing. And we'll have you talk with people. And they're just, they're just such an incredible organization. I can't speak highly enough about them. Especially when they shine light on indie stuff, because I think that yeah. gets, gets overlooked a lot in the games industry because there are so many AAA titles battling for your attention, but the indie stuff, Definitely. you know, Definitely. And, you know, they started a new category last year called Games Beyond, which I was lucky enough to be a, a juror on. I hate that word, juror. 
Um, but I was lucky enough to be a juror on the Games Beyond committee last year, which is the category is basically let's take a video game and use it to educate people on something, right? So some of the games were teaching people, like family members of people with, uh, with depression. You play this game to understand what it actually feels like to have depression, right? Or there was another one that helps, um, uh, people with Alzheimer's get some of their memory back or, um, you know, obviously Hellblade talking about mental illness. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's really incredible that they're going above and beyond to recognize all of these different components that make up the games industry, which I, I just think is amazing. Yeah. Hellblade, Hellblade is another real good, good one because it, 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 uh, brought a, I love the puzzle system in that because it's, it's basically what it's like to be mentally ill where you're looking for stuff that's not there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. That was it's really- remarkable. Yeah. And it's just, uh, my question now is like, do you think, you know, you've been in the business for a couple of years now. Do you think, you know, we're, we're at that point where video games will be seen as, as a form of art instead of just, you know, a waste of time? I think they already are. I mean, if you look at games like Journey and Monument Valley and even Florence, um, or Donut County, you know, which is a quirky kind of art, but if you look at these different, or Firewatch, you know, Firewatch was heralded as much for its artwork and aesthetic as it was for its voice acting. You know what I mean? Um, you have Toyota dealerships on the East Coast ripping off the artwork <laughs> to try to sell trucks. So I think um, I think we're already there. What I do think is fascinating is that because it's getting less and less expensive to make a game, you can have smaller teams creating a game for less money. And so we're starting to see more voices and more types of games and, um, you know, different types of puzzles and different types of, of strategies and different types of, of, of points. You know, we're making a game for this point, whether it's including, you know, uh, people of color as the, as the lead characters or, um, you know, different points of view or whatever. Like it's, it's not simply, you know, big budget action superhero guy saves everything you know what i mean yeah i mean you're starting to see more variety i think is what you're trying to yes share. thank you <laughs> word of the day people variety uh i talk word for money i swear to god <laughs> <laughs> and um you know do you think because you've been in destiny too uh right like how is that yeah. how is that um were you given like any description for the character you voiced because she has this I mean, she's obviously like an NPC, and and she's her job is like you know to 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 you know sell you stuff. But I'm just wondering, were you given any detail on like what was the direction for that? Like, did you did you have like a a, a an entire diaphragm of stuff that they that they sent you of of this character, like this entire paragraph of of what she is and uh-huh. who? Uh, no, <laughs> no. Basically, um, I got there and they were like, okay, so this is Sloane. Sloan is in charge of this thing. She, uh, she's important. Um, she's regal, but she's not British. Uh, and she's badass. And I was like, okay, cool. So with Sloan, um, because she is very regal, she's someone that walks with her spine straight and she doesn't, she doesn't speak with a British accent, but she's very clear in her words. You know what I mean? So it's not this like loose, fluid, you know, blah, 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 American English, yakety yak, but it's more like, I am in charge and you will listen to what I have to say. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because there's, there's this line that really made me laugh in it where it's like, yeah, great job on whatever. I wish I could fight with you, but I'm stuck here. 
Yeah, yeah, she's got some, she's got some fun one-liners. One I was just wondering, like, was that improvised or was that in the script? Like, did you get to? I honestly, I, I couldn't tell you. Um, if I, it's probably recorded two or three years ago, and I, I don't remember. <laughs> cause that's the thing. Another thing, like, cause I, it's bit. Let me tell you, I usually do a lot of research for, for, for all the guests that come on. And let me tell you, it was a pain in the ass trying to get some of your credits because you've been credited in stuff that you weren't in and the stuff you were in, you you weren't credited in, and it's just <laughs> a pain. Yeah. Wait, what was I credited in that I wasn't in? I think you were credited in, what was it? Uh, a Lego game that came out, but you weren't in that. I don't remember which one. Oh, no, I was I was in it, but I was not. So I was not Squirrel Girl. I was something else, but I was in it. Oh really? Really? Because that because that, yeah. that took took me off off the you know screwed with my mind. I was like, wait, she was in that. <laughs> I have been in a couple of Lego games, yeah, but it, but yeah, video games just uh, they rack up, which is great. <laughs> also, I want to know who 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 was the one that leaked the uh, Oracle? Because the Oracle was a character that only just appeared recently in DLC, and I remember seeing you get it credit credited for that a year ago. And I remember playing that game, and I'm like, there was no character named Oracle. What, what are they talking about? There was. About? Yeah, but, there was. but it was like for DLC that didn't come out a year later. So it's like, wow. No, because she was in the original that came out, but she was just like, if you, I don't know, it was like the zombies map or something, and there was a cauldron that you had to drink out of, and I was just a whispery voice. And that was it. That was Oracle. Yeah, but in the recent one, she appeared fully. Yes. So that kind of confused but me. But she was in the original one. Oh, yes. okay. <laughs> Don't, don't scare me like that, man. <laughs> could, yeah, because it's it's it's, 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 it's confusing because it's like I talk to you know some people who do video games and most of them flat out admit like oh yeah I don't remember doing that if, did I do that oh yeah I think I did yeah <laughs> uh, I get that a lot too it's like I I I'm fully convinced that my superpower is forgetting both my auditions and my sessions. So, you know, there'll be times where I'll go into a, a session and they're like, we loved what you did in the, in the audition. And I'm like, cool. Do you have it? Can we listen to it? Because I don't remember it. <laughs> you know, and same thing with with sessions. I mean, like you said, with the Sloan line, I don't I don't recall. I'm sure I said it. It's probably me, but I don't remember. <laughs> and uh, do you do you re-listen to stuff that you've done? Because I know some actors are very picky about, you know, listening to themselves work. Uh, sometimes, I mean, um, yeah, sometimes if, if I have time, I'll, I'll watch playthroughs and stuff like that. Um, but I don't listen to every thing cause who has time? <laughs> yeah. Cause I know some actors are like, well, I, I'm in it only for the, um, experience. I don't care about looking back. I'm like, okay, dude, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's fun. It's, it's fun to go see what's, what's what it's, it's always interesting to me to like, look back on like the walking dead and see how much has changed since then and what choices I would make now. Or, um, you know, a lot of times I'll go in for a session and, and it's just a super interesting session. And then I want to see how they incorporated it into the game. Um, or, <laughs> you know, in the case of some games where I don't know what game I'm actually recording. And then someone on Twitter is like, Hey, you're in the thing. And I'm like, no. Nah. And then they send me the file and I'm like, Oh, I'm in the thing, you know? So then I'll watch it to be like, what was that? <laughs> but Especially it's confusing when you do additional voices because that never gets credited at all. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Because I remember like watching 
a playthrough of Murdered Soul Suspect, and you were one of the NPCs in the background, and I'm like, what? Why was she in this? She's not credited in her IMDb. What? <laughs> I don't remember that one at all, but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> and were you Lois Lane in, in Lego, Lego uh, Super Villains? I was. Okay, good, because I... Because that, that, that's another nightmare, because <laughs> that game has a great cast, and half of them aren't credited, and I have to make sure <laughs> that I don't screw up, so. Yeah, yeah, keeping keeping IMDb up to date is kind of a trip. And is it but. is it is it weird, like, having people come up to you and, and bring up stuff that you've recorded, but you don't remember recording? No, because it happens all the time. <laughs> You know, I remember even when Firewatch came out, people would be like, oh, that line where you said the thing about the whatever. And I'm like, yeah, man, it's hilarious. <laughs> but I have no clue what they're talking about. So and did it you, just happens. And, and um, you did work with Maurice LaMarche in, in Batman. Did you did. did you get any pointers like from him? Uh, just watching him work was a dream. I mean, you know, I, I grew up learning how to, set my VCR to record Animaniacs and Pinky in the Brain. And, you know, um, that session was honestly one of the only other sessions aside from Firewatch that I've had an ensemble recording where he was in the room with me. And I just, I was like, I will try not to pee my pants right now. <laughs> it was amazing. And do you think that it made a, more, a much more different, you know, a lot more different? Uh, do you think it made a, um, do you think it made a difference having to record with someone as opposed to alone absolutely you know because someone could say let's say you know the line is uh wow it sure is pretty out here and the response could be what do you mean and depending on how someone says wow sure is pretty out here or wow it sure is pretty out here or wow it sure is pretty out here what do you mean could be 18 different ways and so being able to play that in live time and respond in real time it makes all the difference which again is why is why i think firewatch worked the way that it did because when you know you have a game that is completely based on dialogue not completely but the the majority of the plot is based on dialogue um if it's not believable it's not going to work so being able to be in the room with maurice having these huge emotional scenes you know as nora freeze and dr freeze um it was incredible it was great. And is it is it and, and is it like um, is it crazy like looking back at your life you know back when you uh, you were you were working in the Silicon Valley and and thinking to, and then you know going into that session with Maurice and thinking how did I get here? <laughs> <laughs> so often, so so often, yes. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, every day I just pinch myself, you know. Um, I just feel really, really grateful to have found my thing. You know, I spent a lot of time trying to plug a square peg in a round hole and I just felt like I was beating my head against a brick wall. And then when I found voiceover, it all just kind of came together like a zipper, if that makes sense. You know, it's it just kind of fell into place. And I, 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 I knew this is what I was meant to be doing. I don't know. I, I, I can't explain it <laughs> non-metaphysically, but it just... It's just been the right path for me, and I love it. It's like uh, Wizard of Oz when first uh, 20 minutes are in black and white, and then she entered, Dorothy enters Oz, and it's all in color, kind of like that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I was I was working so hard in the Silicon Valley. I was doing 110-hour weeks. I had uh, – my last boss was just 
awful. You know, she put me in a room that had those horrible migraine inducing lights overhead and no windows. And, and, you know, if I didn't answer text messages at three o'clock in the morning, I'd get chewed out in front of the whole team that it was just awful. It was awful. And I just kept thinking like, God, there's got to be more to life than this. You know, I grew up, uh, my dad loves what he does, right? My dad is so passionate about what he does. And I, I remember thinking like, well, there, there's got to be something like that out there for me. You know, um, this can't be all there is. <laughs> this can't be all there is to it, you know? And thankfully it wasn't. And, and is it, because it's it's so it's so weird because what all the other people I've talked to on this show usually come from a voice acting background and or, you know or a, you know acting background yeah. yeah yeah and but you're the only one you're one of the rare cases where you did not have any acting experience going into this so. not really I mean I did a couple of plays in high school and stuff like that but it was not something I was really encouraged to follow so I didn't but it was always in the back of my head and uh, yeah man. I just, I started taking those couple of classes after I heard Nancy on the radio and, and everything changed. I mean, I just felt a seismic shift in my entire being. And I was like, okay, well, this is it. You better, uh, better get after it. <laughs> and it was, and did you, you know, cause it's, cause it's much more competitive now than it was back then, you know, cause there are so many people nowadays who are That's hungry crazy. for the, for that brass ring. And, and do you think, you know, do you, do you count your, do you, do you count your blessings every day? You know, every day you wake oh, up. Oh, yes, I do. Yeah. Hell, yes, I do. But I also bust my ass. Like, I don't sit around and wait for my agent to call, right? I am constantly coaching, um, making sure that my agent's happy with what I'm submitting. I am going to workshops. I'm going to cons. I'm meeting people. You know, I, I this is not a passive industry. And there are a lot of people who really, really want it, so they say. And then they're like, oh. I got an agent, the hard part's over. And I'm like, the hard part just started. <laughs> so as, as, as fun a job as it is, and it is, it's still a lot of work because any day I don't work is a day I don't get paid, right? I did not get maternity leave. I had two weeks off after I had a child. <laughs> and, uh, so it's fun. It's a great, great job. It is not easy. Does that make sense? Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's still acting. You're still there doing you know you have to as as uh, someone else put it you're there to play pretend but you're not there to screw around yeah and there you know there's a pretty massive misconception that i get a fair amount of time when people are like oh gosh you know people tell me i have a great voice and i should just do voiceover so how do i get in and i'm like well you know that's great that you have a great voice doesn't always matter um it's a lot of work it's a lot of work and it's a lot of money and it doesn't happen overnight so <laughs> don't come into it thinking it's just a hobby that's going to make you make you rich overnight because it doesn't work that way. Especially because I because I see a lot of people on on Twitter. You know, yeah, I know I shouldn't I shouldn't be on there, but you kind of have to promote <laughs> your full of doom. Yeah, you kind of have to promote yourself on there. I know, but but my point is is like I see a lot of people on Twitter who want to get into VO for the money because they're like, oh, I'm stuck at my I'm stuck at a shitty job and I just want to get into VO for money. And I'm like, dude, you're in the wrong business if you think that. It's, it's true. It is. And you can make money, sure, but it's going to cost you a lot of money to get competitive. And, uh, it, like you said, it is a, it is a very competitive field nowadays. And, you know, even when I go out, 
I'm still competing against Tara Strong and Gray Delisle and Courtney Taylor and Kari Walgren. You know what I mean? And so I better have my shit in gear, um, which ain't cheap. It ain't cheap. And and again, because I'm coming from a non-acting background, I'm I feel like I'm playing catch up a lot of time, and that's on me. But uh, you know, you gotta stay sharp. And trends change, even with commercial, which is honestly, video games are great. They do not pay the bills. Commercial is is where you know you make a living. And commercial trends are constantly changing. You know, 20 years ago, it was the big announcer guy and everybody wanted this guy, right? But now everyone wants like a conversational person and like, oh, hey, I'm just telling my friend about this amazing sale. But but even since then, it's going towards like a more millennial, like, I don't really care, but I'm going to tell you this information anyway, you know? So it's it's constantly changing. And then you've got celebrities who are doing a lot of voiceover, which is, you know, whatever. But I don't think, personally, I don't think the public cares that, you know, Julia Roberts is the voice of nationwide. Um, but that's another thing is like, that's, that's yet another thing that we as voice actors have to keep in mind when we go out on auditions is more and more celebrities want to do it and they get paid triple quadruple what we do, <laughs> if not more. Yeah. Cause I remember, so. cause I remember when the uh, video game uh, strike was going on, like a lot of people were comparing prices of the uh, how much a regular voice actor makes compared to like a celebrity, and and the, oh, difference, and the difference was insane. Yeah, like a lot, a lot of people, yeah. because a lot of people are like, oh, why doesn't Mark Hamill do do more Joker stuff? And and I'm like, have you seen his his uh, his asking price? It ain't cheap, but he's worth it. He's great. I you know, I know uh, but, but, but I mean but like, I'm saying like cuz a lot of people are like I see this a lot on Twitter as well where they're like they grew up with Mark Hamill I did as well and they they get pissy when he's not doing Joker and like a throwaway project and I'm like look just <laughs> just be happy that he's still doing it you know <laughs> Yeah yeah I know I mean you know it's it's the way of it but but yeah I mean there's just all these different um components that people don't necessarily think of. And I have a, you know, a lot of people that come to me and say like, Oh, I just want to be in video games. And I'm like, great, then you're going to keep a full-time job on top of doing video games on the side because there's no money to be made in making video games right now. It's fun and I love it. Uh, but, um, you know, unless you are a celebrity pulling in, you know, 10 grand a session, which is definitely not what I get. Uh, it's, it doesn't pay the bills. And and especially, you know, considering, like, with video games, they already, like I said, they already have most AAA games, the ones that make, you know, uh, their money back in sales always go for, like, big-name talent, like Troy Baker, Nolan North, or whoever, you know, Vanessa Marshall. Who are also you know? incredibly talented. I mean, I'm, not, I mean, I'm not dissing them. I mean, I'm just saying, like, you know, they, go, they usually, yeah. like, casting directors would usually just have people in mind for these roles, so. Sometimes. I mean, you know, I think they do run the risk of getting played out and, uh, and, and not being in all the things, but you know, Nolan is such a chameleon. He can slip into any character and you don't know it's Nolan North until the credits roll and you see that it's Nolan North. You know what I mean? He's so talented. Yeah. I met him. Uh, I met him at a con last year. Very a gentleman. Very, yeah, very nice guy. He's, he's really, he's a wonderful talent. He's a really kind human being and he's, he's great. I mean, he, he deserves every penny that he gets. But, uh, you know, there are so many projects coming out, which is great. Again, going back to the, the fact that it's getting a little easier to produce games, that people are opening up to different talent, which is really nice. I, I still think it's bullshit that, uh, you know, the Scooby-Doo cast got recast for the new reboot movie. 
Because, you know, we need celebrities. Because God you forbid, know. you know, God forbid you pay Grey Delisle a couple of bucks to do Daphne in a movie. I know. I, like, there's a big, um, you know, part of voiceover that's just Scratch. It's called Scratch. So they'll be putting together an animated movie, and they don't know which celebrity they want to hire yet. So they'll have voiceover actors come in and get the beats exactly how they want it. And then when they figure out who the celebrity is, they'll just give them our tracks and say, just do that. <laughs> so it's, you know, okay. <laughs> and and uh, how's that experience for you? Because I know you do a lot of trailers as well. Trailers are great. Um, trailers are a different beast. Um, and it's something I'm really working on shattering this massive glass ceiling right now because trailers are, are very much a, an old boys club and I'm tired of it. <laughs> so um, I've really been working on um, getting after more and more trailers and, and full campaigns because, you know, it's just not a thing that they have a lot of women do and it's time. So my big goal for this year is to book the Wonder Woman 2 trailer campaign. So let's just put that out into the universe. Um I've been working on it. I've, I've booked a couple of other, of other trailers. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I work in trailers, which is not something that a lot of women do. Um, but it's time to have the balance be a little more even because right now it's about 99.9% .9 male and that little 0.1% female. So it's kind of weird because looking at the other parts of the industries, I think it's more, you know, balanced now when it comes to animation and video games, but trailers are the only one, like you said, is more male dominated, which is kind of weird. Well, I mean, the rest of the industry is probably 70, 30. Uh, it's not completely equal yet, but it's getting there. Um, but yeah, trailers are just so blatantly lopsided. So I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah, but because it's, it's, it's so different now as well, because it's not, you know, because Don LaFontaine is no longer with us, they you know they don't have a guy to go in a world. Or, you know they they usually well, just but, they usually. But again, the style of trailers have changed. Yeah, yeah. So in a world isn't the style anymore. Right now, there's either no VO or they just have, you know, um, I don't know. Uh, someone... Ocean's Eight rated R coming April 12th. You know, and that's it. Yeah, they usually have someone from the TV spot for the TV spots. They usually have someone saying rated R in theaters now. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things I do a lot of is uh, sound-alike work. So, you know, um, I do all of Charlize Theron's sound-alike. So if she's unavailable or, you know, for a trailer, they have to kind of write a little story to fit into their 30-second spot. And if there doesn't exist a line in the movie where she says the thing that makes the story complete, rather than bring her in, which costs a pretty penny, they'll bring me in to sound like her. And so, you know, we'll just do a, a little, a couple little lines here and there, but... One of the things they do a lot of for trailers is they will have a character from the movie narrate the trailer. So, for example, um, Charlize Theron did one called The Huntsman, where she narrated um, in this, like, poemy, rhymey, rhymey thing. But it was actually me, um, you know, and I'll, I'll do that as well for a lot of other trailers, uh, which is kind of fun. It's a totally different part of the biz. Yeah, usually they, they usually have to... Um... Like you said, the trailer stuff is different now. Now it's like we have to tell a story. We can't just show clips of the movie and, you know, simultaneously have to tell a narrative. And it's like, okay, fine, but, you know, the old style is, is you know, is a lot better in my opinion, you know, because kind of I just I just love the idea of a an old an all powerful narrator explaining to me why. Ice Cube needs to save his family from a terrorist or something. I don't know. I think that's <laughs> just a weird concept to think about. Yeah, it is. It's funny, though, to look back on some of those trailers, and it just seems like they're just cramming it down your throat. 
<laughs> you know? Um, so it's interesting. Everything is just becoming a little more nuanced. Now it's, it's more, it's, it's more avant-garde as they say. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's pretty fun. And, um, finally, what, what would you, what are your goals for, you know, the upcoming year or two years or whatever? How long? Well, um, Wonder Woman 2 is a big one. Uh, that the trailer campaign, um, gosh, I'm writing a show, so I'd like to get that, uh, sold. Uh, I've been working on that for a little bit now and, and having some good prospects. So looking to get that sold. And, uh, you know, I just, I am lucky enough to work in all the facets of voiceover. I work in commercial, I work in video game, I work in animation, I work in promo, I work in trailer, I work in narration, and I want to continue that. I love what I do. I really love what I do. And I'm, I'm so grateful every day I get that call or that email that says, Hey, you're booked. I just want to keep working. Yeah. Because you recently were on a, uh, Amazon series that I recently watched and I'm like, wow, that's sissy. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yes. The anthropomorphic nail file named Fresha. Yeah. She was great. <laughs> cause I, cause I, I'm a, I'm a kind of stickler for finding like actors playing against type. Like, cause, mm-hmm. cause I, cause I'm, I'm the, I'm the weirdo who, who comes up to, to Nolan North and says, oh, I loved, you know, this obscure line from, from this crossover game with, uh, with Nathan Drake, or I loved you as Cyclops in X-Men or something like that. Like, just, <laughs> just like, I, I will find the weirdest roles and I'll bring them up to voice actors and they're like, well, so you're the one who remembers that role. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah, because I because because the thing that I love about voiceover for the voiceover business is that you can tell a lot about an actor just by their voice, like how much they're putting in and how much they're not putting into a performance from their voice. And I think that's very overlooked. Well, yeah, and thank you for that. You know, <laughs> um, voice actors are some of the hardest working people I know who get the least amount of recognition, and it. Listen, you don't get into voiceover to be famous, but it is nice to know that people appreciate it. And, and you know, for people wondering, why do I always get voice actors? Well, because they're better than actual actors, in my opinion. <laughs> well, I don't think that no one's better than anybody. We're all, we're all equal in God's eyes. <laughs> but we do have more fun. <laughs> yeah, because I just I, I remember like seeing a comment from like feedback to a con I went to, and they're like, "Oh, we're tired of all these voice actors," and I'm like, "Fuck you!" Yeah, <laughs> then don't listen. <laughs> That's funny. Thank you again for coming on the show, Cece. Thank you so much for having me. It's really nice to talk with you.